Good morning, church family. Let's stand to our feet. Let's worship the Lord today. Let's praise Jesus in his house. Give him glory. Hey.
said you'd work it out for good And I knew you could Oh, I knew you could Didn't look the way I thought it would But I know you're good Oh, I know you're good And I don't have to understand to know that you are kind I don't need to have the answers to trust you through the night I'll rest here in the knowing that I may never know so I'm holding on to faith I'm holding on to hope Oh, oh, oh. 
Our life is yours. You are our Lord, our Master, our Savior, our friend. And Jesus, it is a joy to be in your house this morning and to praise you with all the saints. Can we give Jesus a shout in the house this morning? Come on, let's applaud him. Jesus is worthy. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, before you sit down, turn to your neighbor and tell them how great they were singing this morning. church you guys doing all right three of you are doing all right so uh, my name is Jeremy Carlton I'm one of the pastors here um, on staff at Anastasia Church and I am so glad to be here with you this morning and I'm glad that all of you here are here this morning I want to say welcome and thank you for joining us for church on Sunday morning you could be anywhere else doing anything I'm sure your lawn needs to be cut with all the rain that, that we've been having I'm sure there's a beautiful beach day but you're here and I'm so glad that you are. If you are a guest with us, we are also so glad that you are here with us today. You could be doing anything else as well, and you chose to, to join your friend, to join the person that invited you, and to join us and worship the Lord and learn about Him today. And, and I am so glad that you are here. We would love to kind of return the favor and, and say thank you for, for joining us today. We have a special gift for you in our atrium. If you want to stop by our welcome desk, we have a gift that we'd love to share with you and tell you how to get connected at our church. But also we have a digital bulletin slash digital connect card. If you want to text the word connect to uh, actually, or, or news, either one of those, to this number, 904-441-6900. That's going to pull up our bulletin. It'll pull up our connect card. You can text youth to that number. You can text, I think it's kids to that number. Just pick a random word and text it that number and see what happens. I dare you to do it. It'll be kind of funny. But no, text that number and text the word news. You'll get our bulletin. Text that word or text uh, connect if you're a visitor and um, it'll pull up our connect card so that we can help you get connected to some great people at our church. I'd like to share a couple of announcements with you this morning. First of all, it's missions weekend. So uh, we've been doing mission tour all weekend. We've got some awesome stuff out in the atrium to, to check out our, our, our what we're doing for, for missions and to be a part of missions. We've got a guest speaker today that we're super excited to, um, to hear from today, Dr. David Youth from First Baptist Orlando. It's gonna be an awesome message. And so uh, so this is Youth Weekend, or I mean, uh, Missions Weekend. It's not Youth Weekend. It's Missions Weekend. That's what my wife is so involved with doing missions at our church. And she's put together all this stuff, stuff and we're super thankful for her. So we've got a, a couple of announcements. One is, is uh, coming up on September 22nd is our first annual marriage event called Table for Two. It's from 6 to 8 p.m. And don't worry, we got child care, but it's more like a ministry event that's happening for your kids from 6 to 8 o'clock. It costs $40, and you can register for this awesome marriage event on anastasiachurch.org slash table for two. Check it out. If you're married, you should be there. Next, we have our Flourish event that's coming up. It's for women of all ages. Our Flourish event is coming up, and it's going to be an awesome event here. And um, I want to encourage you to check out this video there for our Flourish event. Thank you.
What is a promise? A promise is reason to expect that something will happen in the future. And in the midst of promises, in the time between when the word was given and it is fulfilled, we wait. So excited to be with you this morning. I know Pastor Jeremy already mentioned it is Missions Weekend, which is my heartbeat as the missions minister here. And I can't wait for you guys to get involved in what's happening in the atrium after the service. But right now, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for your generous giving. You guys give faithfully week after week, and a big part of that goes to our Acts 1-8 Missions Fund, and that's what enables us to do these incredible mission projects. Over 600 children are gonna get fed as a result of what's happening this morning. Our partners all across the city yesterday, we visited, we invest in, and we say we wanna come alongside, we wanna join you in the ministry that's happening there. But what I love more than all of that is that lives are transformed. We're not just talking numbers, we're talking actual transformation that's happening. And I can't thank you enough for giving to be a part of that. This morning, the Crossmans were supposed to join me. I was supposed to pray over them during this time. They're going back to Moldova tomorrow to continue their missions ministry. And Miss Barbara is not well. So let's pray over them now. Let's pray over our offerings and let's ask God to heal the Crossmans before they head back. Join me. God, thank you so much for the amazing work that you're doing here in our city and that you've got going on all across this planet that you let us be a part of. God, we wanna to come to you right now and lift up Barbara Crossman and David Crossman. God, I pray for healing. They're heading back tomorrow. We need a touch from you, Lord. Heal them and get them back safely to the work you've called them to. God, we just lay all of this at your feet. It's nothing, it's just ashes without you turning it into something amazing and beautiful. We thank you for being able to be a part of it. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen, and you'll wanna keep David and Barbara Crossman in your prayers as they're working in Moldova and in the front lines in the Ukraine, working with Christian ministries there, doing amazing things. Hey, it is Missions Weekend. Are you glad to be here, Anastasia? Amen. I'm glad to be here too. Things are a little different for Missions Weekend. We had a mission tour yesterday that was amazing and about 35, 40 people. We went to different ministries, community ministry partners and, and saw what they did firsthand. And then after church, you're going to hear something. Uh, Heather's going to talk to you about the, what we're going to do as a missions project together as church in the atrium later on this morning. So you'll hear more about that. But right now I have a, a very special thing I want to share with you. I'm so grateful uh, to invite this speaker to come and speak with us. This is David Youth, and he's the pastor of First Baptist Church in Orlando, Florida. And you know, he, he, could, be, he could be ministering to the thousands down there, but he took this weekend to come up here to be with us. And I'm so grateful. Um, I have heard him speak uh, many times, and I just feel just a heart. His heart for, for missions, his passion for people, his authenticity. I, I just love every time I hear, I, I just feel like uh, there's someone that, that uh, just really speaks to my heart. He, uh, he has been the International Mission Board President 
So he served there guiding our ministries uh, throughout the years and uh, grateful for that. He also uh, was at seminary. I went to Southwestern Seminary. And while I was there, I was a student. He was teaching. He was an adjunct professor and he was teaching. And so anyway, uh, I want you to give a warm welcome to David Youth uh, to Anastasia Baptist Church. Thank you, David. Thank you for coming. so good to be here and to be heard finally. So I bring you greetings from the busy city of Orlando, the house of the mouse and a lot of other stuff. So if you've driven through lately, you've been on I-4, pray for us because <laughs> I know you got time as you're driving through because it's, it's a, yes, it's crazy, but man, it's so good to be up here. I've known about your church for, uh, I've been in Florida, been pastor there over 17 years now, and um, I've known about this church, and I met your pastor years ago, and man, I just connected with him. I just love his spirit, and he said, one day I want you to come to Anastasia. So 17 years later, he finally trusts me, and I'm, I'm glad to know I've passed the test, you know, um, and then I met, uh, I met Heather, and then Jeremy was her husband, right? Okay, did y'all notice they were on opposite sides of the stage? But there's a marriage event coming up that they can go to, and maybe that'll help their marriage a little bit. I just thought, why are they so far apart? Uh, Heather is on the State Board of Missions with me uh, up in Jacksonville, and we were together recently, and she was telling me about you. And let me tell you, you got a great reputation, and this weekend is, is probably one of the reasons why, because you want to make a difference. And I know it's a missions weekend, and so... By nature, we want to talk about, you know, the reaching the nations. But can I give you a little secret that I've watched over all my years of being a pastor? You're not going to reach the nations if you won't reach the neighborhoods here. you got to start here. And, and, and so I just want to, I want to encourage you to, to look and be aware of things that can happen right here. Now, we don't forget about the nations. we got missionaries all over in Orlando. We do. But I just remember coming there and thinking, man, we're driving past neighborhoods. We're driving past apartment complexes that are filled with lost. What are we doing here? And so you're going to hear a story in a minute. You're just going to hear a little bit of, of what's happened. Now, I will also tell you this. When you become aggressive as a church and you really start trying to reach the city, not everybody's going to like that. Even brothers and sisters will take cheap shots at you. And I could get into that, but I won't. I'll tell you that story later. Jesus was a friend of sinners, and the Pharisees hated him. So if I'm going to choose which one I'm hanging out with, the Pharisees or Jesus, I'm going with Jesus. Because the Pharisees wouldn't get close to the sinners. I remember William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, once said, the more he was around some saints, the more he liked sinners. I, that's kind of where uh, I've been in some recent days. But I tell you, there are people in this city that God wants you 
to bless their life. And you may be able to do it through meeting a need, which is what Jesus did. So I'm in a series back home uh, on end times, okay? It's not a series in Revelation. It's literally a series on end times, taking the words of Jesus out of the Olivet Discourse, uh, Mark 13, Matthew 24, and it's trying to put together an idea of, are we living in the last days? I'll just give you the simple answer, yes. What is it we ought to be looking for? What are some of the signs? And, and, and I won't go through the whole message, but I'll tell you one sign that I know without a doubt we're waiting on. Jesus said, the end will not come until what happens? I heard several things, but it was all just kind of a murmur. The gospel is proclaimed to everyone. To everyone. Because Peter tells us, 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, God is not slow concerning his promise, but he wills that none should perish. So I listen to a podcast. I've been reading all kind of stuff. I mean, end times is not my thing. I taught New Testament. And my dissertation is on the miracles of Jesus in the Synoptic Gospel. So I, I didn't work in Revelation. I didn't work with end times. It's a real popular subject. You make a lot of money. You write a book. I'm not selling a book. I'm not writing a book. So I just want to warn you right up front. But I just wasn't attracted because I, I just feel like there's things happening around us that remind us of the urgency of sharing Christ. So I listened to a podcast by a guy, Dr. Michael Heiser. He's a brilliant guy. He's a Semitic Languages specialist, linguistic uh, scholar, and then also Old Testament. And he, uh, he teaches for Liberty, and he also taught for Midwestern Seminary, one of our seminaries in Kansas City. Not the one that we went to. We went to the best one. Um, he has a podcast called The Naked Bible. And he, I love him. He's brilliant. He was asked the question, what do you think demons are doing today? He's written a book on, on demonology. He's written a lot about the unseen world. What do you think demons are doing today? What's happening in hell? And man, his answer was profound. He said, I believe with all my heart. And by the way, David Platt believes this as well. I believe the demons have a verse plastered all through hell. And it's the verse where Jesus said the end will not come until the gospel is proclaimed to all nations. Because they know when the end comes, they are done. It's game over. And so they are doing everything they can to stop the church from spreading the gospel. When I heard that, I mean, it sent chills to my spine. Here's why. Because they're doing a good job. They're doing a great job. We're so distracted. We're so caught up in our own world, our own kingdoms. And I want to take you to a place in Scripture where that's not what faith looks like. That song we sang a minute ago about I am here and available, I think is the, the name of the song, powerful song. That's where we should be, but James tells us that if you really have faith, it's going to challenge you to do something. So if you've got a Bible, go to James chapter 2, okay? James chapter 2. And, and for just a few minutes, let me just walk you through. I'm going to read the text first. And basically what James is saying is, so what good is it if you say you have faith, but 
you're not doing anything. And, and he, he's going to make his argument that if you have faith, it, it really ought to change the way. And, and it's interesting to me, the one thing he says is that you ought to be making a difference in people's lives. If you're really one of faith, if you have faith, God's going to use you. And he's going to use you to make a difference right here. Now, let's, let's start. I'm going to read in chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if, if it does not have works, it's dead. Someone will say, hey, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well, but even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, a foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see, a person is justified by works, not just faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. So what is James saying to us? If we really are a people of faith, if we really have been changed, it ought to show. We ought to be different, and where we live ought to be different. The definition of faith that I had growing up, I was in rebellion most of my church years as a teenager. And I had a rule with my dad. My dad made me come to one service. And he said, you got to come one if you want to stay at home, if you want to live at home. Well, I didn't want to be a homeless high school student. And I liked my mom's cooking, so I figured out a way to come to one service. I sat on the very back row. And I would show up, and my hair was down, way down here. I had my football team with me, usually some guys on the team with me. And as soon as the service was over, I'd take off. I never will forget one day a lady stopped me. She looked at me and she said, David, I just got to tell you something. I just want you to know I admire your faith. You have a great, you're so faithful. And I looked at her and said, thank you, ma'am, and left. But I remember that. Because then I learned that for most people in the church, you you define faith by just showing up. Is that really faith? How much faith does it take to walk in an air-conditioned building today and sit down for an hour? I mean, you can put up with anything for an hour. Does that really take faith to live the way you're living and the way I'm living? And what James is saying is that faith is not saving faith. A lot of people try to say James and Paul are on opposite sides. No, they're not. They're fighting different enemies. Paul was trying to fight those who said you get to salvation by doing works. No, you're not ever getting to salvation by works. 
There is not a work you can do, only one work. That's the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That's the only way we can have salvation. But here's what James is saying. Now, once you get salvation, you're going to show that you have salvation by what you do. Did you know even faith, even the word believe in the New Testament is not a noun. It's not belief. It's a verb. It's what you do. And in this story that I just read, in these verses, he says, your faith will look like this. Number one, compassionate generosity. You see a brother in need, you see a need in this city, it's going to move you. It's going to do something inside of you. And you're going to find yourself being generous because you believe there's a need. He even gives the situation of walking by somebody that's desperate, you know, in need. And, and you can't just look at them and it's a beautiful Hebrew blessing. Be warm, be filled, go in peace. And then keep walking. No. You got to do something. And some of the projects that you guys and the, the tour yesterday and some of the projects you're doing is for ministries that are making a difference. We have a big Love Orlando coming up and for Orlando is what we call it. And we're just going to go and serve the city and join our partners that are making a difference. And it's simple things like feeding people who are hungry, helping house people who are homeless, and just being there to meet physical needs of people. And let me tell you why. A follower of Christ ought to be so generous because it's all his anyway. It's all his anyway. It's not our stuff. I mean, God gives us what we have. Show me your house and show me your stuff and your boat and whatever, and I'll say, man, God has really got a lot of nice stuff here. But you know, the other side of that, the good side of that is your refrigerator's having trouble or it goes out. You just say, God, your refrigerator went out. I just need you to know that. <laughs> and it's amazing how God can fix things like that when he knows it's his. So it's not ours anyway. I was in Haiti once wading water to get back to a village that had been cut off by the earthquake. I mean, by the uh, tsunami that kind of came in and the flood after the, the earthquake. And I remember this little girl running. Most kids didn't have any clothes on. And this little girl ran and grabbed my leg, and she's just holding on, looking up. And I've got a box of, like, hygiene stuff, like just a Good Samaritan kind of box, you know, that you would give. And she just looks at me. Man, when she looked at me, I saw my daughter. And the thought went to my mind, how come I wasn't born in Haiti? This could be my daughter. I mean, I could be here. It's not because I'm better that I was born in the United States. Guys, we didn't choose where we were born. We didn't choose when we were born. We didn't choose who we were born to. We live, move, and have our being in a God who is awesome and mighty. Amen. So everything I am, it's his. So be generous. The second word is sacrificial obedience. He tells the story of Abraham. You know the story, Genesis 22, Abraham has a child, a promised child, Isaac. And God speaks to him and says, go up on the mountain. <clears throat> go to Mount Moriah. He goes. He goes up on the mountain and he says, offer him up. He had to offer up his promised child. But he did it. And the Lord stopped him. And what this text says, why do you think Abraham did that? It's because he was justified by his faith 
and his works. The works completed his faith. And I'll just make it real quick. Follow my, follow my logic. You ready? That happened in Genesis 22. Where was Abraham declared righteous? Where was he justified? And the word says he was declared righteous. Genesis 15, chapter 15. So boys and girls, which comes first, 15 or 22? There you go. You are declared righteous, and then you are willing to sacrifice everything you have. It's because the faith in you that changes you. So you look for ways, and you become sacrificial in the way you live. And then the last one, I think only James could get away with this. He gave two examples. One of them is the patriarch of the Jews, the patriarch, the seed of Abraham. I mean, my goodness, Abraham is the biggest figure in their story. And then he chose a girl that wasn't even a Jew. She was a prostitute, and yet she is in the lineage of Jesus. Her name is Rahab, a harlot in Jericho. And the story in Joshua chapter 2 is the spies go in to check it out, and she meets them, and she houses them. She'd heard about Yahweh, and she wanted to know more, and she becomes a believer in Yahweh, and so she is spared, and it's an amazing story. And basically, the last phrase I want to give you is, when you really have faith, you have uncalculated risk. You're willing to risk everything. She risked everything. Listen, if she'd been caught, she would have been immediately killed. But she risked it all. Why? Because she believed Yahweh. She believed God could do it. She believed God would answer and God would deliver. I believe that's what makes us do crazy things in this kingdom. It's because we believe God. Why do I think this church can have impact in this city? Because I believe in God. I just know that there are going to be risks. I can't promise you you're not going to see things go south. Man, we've had so many mission investments that didn't work out. I've given money to people. Now, listen, I'm not, I, I want to warn you, in Orlando, you got a lot of people standing on corners holding signs. Okay? Well, what I know about Orlando is we have a way to take care of every one of them, but they don't want to be helped. But every once in a while, I'll be moved. The Lord will speak to me, and I'll, I'll give money or I'll give a bag. I keep a bag with some stuff in it. I'll give something away. Let me tell you what I've noticed. Most people are more worried about what they're going to do with that money. Most people are more worried about what they're going to do with that food we gave them or what, what's that place going to do after we give them money. That's not your problem. Amen. Our problem is do what God tells you. They got to deal with what God will do with that. Just do what God says. We want to control everything. Any control freaks in the room? Okay, thank you. And the rest of you are lying control freaks. That's worse. I mean, that's double whammy. You know what? Don't worry about it. Just do it. Why? Because you trust him. You believe. So I got to close with this story. I got to tell you this story. It's made me do crazy things. Where's the safest place for a boat? In the harbor. Were boats built to stay in the harbor? Nope. And you weren't saved to sit in a seat. You were saved to serve this world. Okay? Plane. Safest place for a plane. Where's that? In a hangar. They don't build planes to put in a hangar. They build them to fly. But there's risk. 
And I can tell you that uh, those risks sometimes keep us from doing something we feel like God wants us to do. And I, I just, I'm going to tell you a story. I think the richest place in St. In Augustine, I imagine you would probably have ideas of where it might be some of the mansions, you know, on the coast or it might be an area, neighborhood or whatever. No, I think you might have driven by the richest place. You know where the richest place in St. Augustine is? Cemetery. You know why I say that? Because underneath every one of those rectangular pieces of sod or in those mausoleums in every crypt, every niche, there are dreams that were never fulfilled. There were people who had the resources to change the world and they never gave it. People who could have made a difference and they never did it. Don't be one of those. So God put, put something in my mind. And he used a couple of ladies in our church in Orlando. Can I walk down here? Can it, it still be okay? So I, I had a couple of stories, and I, I, I wasn't sure which one to tell. I think I'm safe with you guys. So these ladies came in and said, David, you know, we have a place here in Orlando. This is many years ago. We have a place in Orlando called The Trail, OBT. And they call it The Trail. And they said it's one of the biggest areas of prostitution in the city. What if we were to try to reach those women? What if we were to bring them to church and have a banquet for them? I said, really? I said, that kind of sounds like Jesus. I said, I'm interested. And they said, well, would you help us to get, what we want to do is we want to, uh, we got ministries that connect with them and we got ways to know them and get them in here and get women from battered women's shelters and all over the city where women are in need. And we're going to bring them to uh, the church and I want to have a banquet and I want you to speak and we want to give them clothes. We want to be able to have a shopping experience. And, and we want to be able to just do cosmetics and, and let them get a, a, a makeover and, and let them get all kinds of jewelry. I said, man, that is awesome. So what do you want me to do? He said, well, you need to stand up on Sunday and ask the people to give, the ladies to give stuff so we can bless these prostitutes. I said, I... I can see that happening in a Baptist church, me standing up, <laughs> saying, by the way, um, we'd like for you to give so that we can put some clothes on some prostitutes and jewelry and all that. I mean, that, you know, I was just trying to think through. That could go south in a hurry. So I stood up and said, hey, guys, we got something that we want to do to make us, I know it's going to be just like Jesus. Because one of the greatest needs we have in this city are sinners that are right here with us. Would you help me meet the need? And I told them what to do. Immediately, our people started bringing clothes. This is the first one we did. We've done it more than once. They started bringing stuff. Man, there was excitement. And I got a call one day. It's like on a Tuesday. These ladies said, hey, David, you got to come over here and see this purse. I said, well, why do you want to show me a purse? And, and they said, you just got to see this purse. So I go over there. Are you ready for this? The purse was 15000 had the tag on it. I don't even remember the name. Some of you ladies might know the name, but I said, my goodness, can you drive it? I mean, it's 15000 for this? And I said, what did the woman say when she dropped it off? She said, this is what she said. She said, Jesus gave his best for me. Why would I not give my best to be like Jesus? And that day, oh my goodness, that day, 300 of these women came. 
And I watched our people, our ladies, love on them. I watched them go shopping. I watched these ladies get treated like a queen. We called it the queen celebration. On the first one we did, we had 15 of them give their life to Christ and say, we want to follow Jesus. And then at the end, I'm, you know, everybody's kind of leaving. I'm just standing down there hanging out, and these two ladies walk up to me. They said, Pastor, you probably know what we do for a living. I said, well, I have an idea. <laughs> they said, yeah, we, we work the trail. You know, we've always known you guys were here. I mean, it's hard to miss that big old church. They call it a big old church. They use some language I don't use here, but it's, it's hard to miss that church. But we didn't know you cared for whores like us until today. And man, I, that did something to me. Guys, this city, this island, they know where you are. They just didn't know you cared for them. It's time to let them know this church cares for them. And that's what this weekend is all about. Let your faith show. Do whatever it is that God shows you and tells you. Take the risk. I really thought that weekend might be my last at First Baptist Orlando. But I'm telling you, there's not an event we've ever done that's been asked for more and more and more. Not by the girls down on OBT, but by the members of our church. They say, when are we going to get to do that again? Because once you see your life make a difference, it's like, oh my goodness, I want to do more. And I want you to do more. I want you to bow with me. Father, I just want to pray. I don't know what it is that you're speaking to each one of us in this room. But I just want us, if we truly are yours, God, help us live like it. Help us take that step and, and be generous. Help us be sacrificial in our obedience to you. And Lord, help us take the risk. Because I believe it'll be worth it. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor. You heard the challenge. You heard the challenge. You know, we have a city out here, and many of them know that they need to be closer to the Father. And they know being close to the Father would be a good thing. What they don't know is if the Father would receive them or the hands and feet of the Father. Uh, this is a time of response. I'm going to ask all of you to stand up right now. We're going to sing a song. We're going to talk about building our lives on Christ. And I want you to know, if, if, if God is calling you to step outside, off your chair, and, and to move out into the city, you're welcome to come up here and pray and dedicate your life to Him. If you'd like to talk to someone about that, we have counselors here ready to talk to you about what it means to dedicate your life to missions. Whatever that step of faith is, God's calling you to come as we stand and as we sing. You come. You come. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever
speaks. Uh, David, uh, Pastor David Youth would have a special uh, introduction that he'd like to share with you. We have a, a, someone here among us. So. I still got a mic. There we go. Hey, I want to introduce a great friend of mine. He has been a friend for over 25 years. He is a, the liaison between Louisiana, the state of Louisiana, the government, and NASA. And he is here for the launch tomorrow. And he was coming to Orlando because we're great friends. And I said, I'm not going to be in Orlando. I'm going to be in a place I've never been. And he said, I'll be there. His name is Bob Futiker. Would you help me welcome my friend, my brother? His challenge was to put some action to our faith. And so this Sunday, Missions Weekend, we have an opportunity that we have never done before, and that is that when you go outside of these doors, there's the opportunity for you to participate in a missions project today. So what I would like you to do is one per family. I'd like you to take a plastic bag. There are three food items to pack in it, and then there's a card, and this is a beautiful piece. You can write whatever you want. You can write a Bible verse. You can write God loves you. You're going to put it in the bag with the food, tie it up, 
and there's bins directly in the center of the atrium. You're gonna place that packed bag in the bins in the middle and those bags are gonna be placed in the backpacks of children in elementary schools throughout this county who when they go home over the weekend, they might not have food. And they're gonna get home, they're gonna open that food, they're gonna see that note for you and they're gonna know that God sees that God loves. And we're packing over 600 bags today and I'd love for every single family to have a part in doing missions today. So let's pray. Let's pray for these bags. Let's pray for this work as we go. God, thank you for this opportunity. What an amazing chance to put action to the faith that you've given us. God, I pray for these food bags, simple as they may be, that you would use them not just to give physical food, but to give your spiritual food to those who need it. God bless these children who give it. Bless these hands that pack these bags today. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Thank you guys. Please go and pack your blessings in a backpack bags.